walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. Happy, happy holidays, everybody. Hope everybody's holiday weekend went swimmingly hope everybody's uh all revved up for the new year new year new me huh who's with me who's with me uh no no more fisting squirrels and then i don't know what do people what do people do in the hope everybody's uh got their new year's resolutions ready huh huh for 2024, New Year's resolution, New Year's revolution is not the pay-per-view we're talking about today, but that was a raw pay-per-view. Speaking of raw pay-per-views, we got a raw below. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to segue into the deal here, but we got WWE Bad Blood 2003 on our hands today. What an interesting little show this was. The first ever brand-specific pay-per-view presented by the WWE uh, here in the summer of 2003. A Raw-branded pay-per-view. Don't turn this off. Don't turn it off. I know it's I know it's Raw in 2003. I know we've spoken about how dreadful Raw has been um, this year. But I will say, this is a surprisingly entertaining show i'm not gonna go out and call it a good show but there's we'll get into it but there is a lot of tomfoolery and shenanigans with a little bit of uh a little bit of good wrestling i suppose which it's a perfect blend as far as i'm concerned but yeah we got up top we got triple h defending the world title against kevin nash in a hell in a cell match brutal McFoley's there it's a whole thing we got the saga of Goldberg's failed first run in the WWE that's continuing with a match against Chris Jericho we got Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels in a supposed dream match is it well we'll get into it we got I mean Rodney Max here Chris Nowins don't turn it off I said don't turn it off there's other good stuff, too, even though those guys are here. Um, oh, <laughs> who can forget the redneck triathlon? We got burping contests. We got pie eating. We got 
rolling in pig shit. Oh, it's just a, it's a hoot. There's a lot to get into, and we might as well dive right into it. But first, let me give a shout out to my guest, Marcus, from the World Elite Wrestling Podcast. You can check out the World Elite Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as live on YouTube and all that jazz for everything. World Elite Podcast, check out the description for all the social medias and whatnot. They do a great job over there. They cover some of the current stuff. They do nostalgia. They do other topics. They do weekly live streams. So check it out. Join the chat. It's a good old time. Um, You can also find them on Floor Slapper Sports. Tim King, I've had him on in the past and may or may not have him on next week. However, go check it all out. Like I said, it's all in the description, as well as all of my social medias and all that hoot and holler. All of those shenanigans at Apron Bump on all the social medias. ApronBump.com for all the full episodes. Hey, you like the ruthless aggression, do you? I would assume that's why you hit play on this, unless you just like me, which I, I greatly appreciate that. But if you would like to relive the entire ruthless aggression era from the very, very beginning, attitude era, even all of that stuff, go to ApronBump.com and you can go to the episodes tab. And you can select Ruthless Aggression Era, where we started from the beginning. I think Vengeance 02 was the first one, technically. It's a bit of a gray area, but covered all the shows chronologically up until this point. So all the way through 02 and through this point in 03, and we will continue on. So it's been a fun ride, very interesting journey, and uh, do that. The link to that is also in the description below if you just want to do that. Speaking of the description, if we're just going to plug away the description of this, Link to the Discord is also there. Join it. Pussy? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good time. We talk a lot of stuff in the Discord. Current stuff, old stuff. We'll be doing like, uh, you know, pay-per-view prediction leagues here in the future. Probably starting either Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. Still figuring things out there. But go ahead, join the old Apron Bump Discord. Get ahead of the game. We'd love to have you. And I'd love to have you sit there or stand there or lay there. Uh, or, you know, on all, on all fours, uh, however you listen to my podcast, stay there and listen to this episode, WWE bad blood 2003 with myself and Marcus from the world elite podcast. How obvious it's like, it's been 20 years since the ruthless aggression era was like at its highest peak. You could say, dude, I like think about that sometimes. And I see like Randy Orton on this show. And it's like, this dude is still going like that's insane. Among he's other pro- people on this show, I'm sure he's probably like the only remaining one from that OVW class. You don't see Cena as much. You don't see Lesnar as much. Tista's retired. Mm-hmm. Shelton, they just keeping him away from us. I think he got released, I believe. Um I could be wrong about that. I'm like 99% sure he got released, but yeah, Randy's like the last guy that's like full-time, at least semi-full-time as much as any of the other guys are. Yeah. When I went back and listened to like all the ones from 2002, I'm like, oh damn, they're all been recorded. So then I hit you up like six months ago. I'm like, you got to get me on for like an 03 one or something. And then I saw it was available. I was like, okay, I want this one. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because yeah, you reached out like six months ago specifically for Bad Blood 2003. When you hit me up about it, I was like, of course, first of all. But I was also like, 
why this show? It seemed like <laughs> such a random ass show, but I guess do you have just like nostalgia to it or are there any particular reasons why you enjoyed this show so much? Well, it was like the kickstart of the whole brand extension solo pay-per-views. Not to mention, very, I was... Very first one. I was actually supposed to go to this pay-per-view 20 years ago. Unfortunately, my heart got broken the same day I got offered to go. Damn. What happened? Oh, is that what happened? Well, one day we were watching Raw and, you know, Dad was home and then he saw Jim Ross say, Oh, I can't wait to be in Houston, Texas for Bad Blood. And he's like, Oh, they're doing the pay-per-view in Houston? I'm like, yeah, like I'm looking at him like, I really want to go. And he was like, we should go to that. And I'm like, yes, we need to. And we're excited. And then like five minutes later, he's like, when's the date of it? I said, June 13th, 2003. I'm going to be at work, son. I'm going to be offshore. We can't go. So you give How me. How old are you at this time? I I was two months away from being 14. Uh, yes, you could catch a cab, go there, right? Well, Houston's about. Two and a half, three hours from me. No way I learned how to drive yet. It'd have been just me and him, though. Like, I, it was hard. Back then, it was hard to find somebody to take you to shows these days. They're like, oh, I'm not going that far unless if, like, they come to the Cajun Dome for Raw or something. Or if you're lucky, <laughs> we'd go to New Orleans. No, they didn't want to go to damn Houston. And I was mad, but I, I got over it. But And then. That- and then you're like, but Rodney Max there. And then they're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, like you got a Lafayette boy fighting on this show. Well, not from not Ooh. far from us. No, he's originally. Oh, really? Is he? Well, he he the town he grew up in is just outside of Lafayette. He actually grew up not far from Dylan and Jordan. He grew up in a town called Church Point, Louisiana, which is the Mardi Gras capital of the area. People say okay. Dylan's hometown is, but it's not. I think Church Point's Mardi Gras get more turned up than <clears throat> Mamu's. Mamu's is like old classic style. Mm-hmm. Church Point's it, it just it's a whole other level. They people get turned up on a Sunday, like that's the day of the week they do it. Mamu's like, oh, we'll make it worse. We'll do it on a Monday when everybody has to go to work. <laughs> is this all like within New Orleans, or is it like the surrounding area? Oh no, it's hours away. Like uh, Lafayette, you ever heard of Lafayette, Louisiana? I have, but in my head, like geographically, it's just like New Orleans and then everything else as a uh, Virginian. Uh, Lafayette's about two hours from New Orleans. Um, gotcha. Raging Cajun country. James, mm. Ma- JM, you should know a little bit about that now that they're in the Sunbelt Conference. Come on now. Kicking ass now that I'm fucking graduated. About goddamn yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm happy for him. L- the LSU colors, you know, there's a tie in somewhere, right? Y'all got, y'all got, it's like y'all got LSU purple and Saints gold. Yeah, I got the wrong shed of gold, but that's good enough for me. <laughs> what, what what are LSU's colors? Well, it's purple and gold, but their gold's like that bright-ass yellow. Right, yeah. Well, I, I think that would just be yellow. Yeah, but they say gold. But it's like, oh, it's that bright gold. I, I don't even know. I don't know how many shades of gold there is. Call in if you know how, if you're an expert on gold. We'd love to hear from you. But anyhow, uh, well, Rodney Mack, and well, you know he's married to Jazz, right? Two Louisiana native wrestlers. They're married oh. now. They uh they have a wrestling school in San Antonio right now. That's where they currently reside. Man, that sounds like a brutal training regimen. Getting in there with Jazz and Rodney Mack. And Come Rodney's, out a bunch of bruises. Rodney's like jacked up. I, mean, I watched Crockett Cup in 2022, and he was yeah. on the card. He fought Tyrus for the TV title. 
Yeah, he's still. <coughs> oh, sorry, I choked on my own cum. Uh, he's going <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> he's he's on NWA, right? Isn't he in like a big tag team there? I like kind of loosely follow it. Uh, I haven't remembered much. Last I remember, Tyrus was supposed to retire after he lost his title to EC3. Rodney Mack, Man, I haven't... he should have retired as the Funkadactyl or whatever the hell. Funkasaurus. He should have retired when he had the fedora on, brother. I thought he should have retired as uh, Alberto Del Rio's bodyguard. That was his peak, I think. I think, at least. Fucking Mohawk. I mean, it was. Uh, he was at least somewhat intimidating back then. Now he... Uh... Here's the thing. He's not even from Louisiana. He's originally from California. He just lived in Louisiana for 11 years while he was training. And he declared at home, and we're like, oh, we don't claim him. Mm. He's the type that I would put <laughs> tomatoes in his gumbo. Are you, are you not allowed to do that? Is that a sin? Yeah, yeah that is a sin. Man, I fucking... So I, I went to a wedding last year, um, and it was at like a Louisiana, like New Orleans family, and they made gumbo for like the morning after. And to me, it didn't seem like a brunch kind of thing. But goddamn, pal, a gumbo when you're hungover for whatever reason is just the cure. Like, oh, I wouldn't yeah. know how to make it myself. But goddamn, you give me some local, well, not local, but locally made, I guess, gumbo. I'd suck a, I'd suck a cock for that one. But um, any hoozle. Well, I was in for a special treat before I came on here. I remember my old lady called me to go pick up some cookies for our son's Christmas party. And she was like... Oh, hey, would you like some... Do you want anything from Popeye's? I said, no, even better. I got Kyle's thighs tonight. I, I hope you said that. I hope you gave no context either. Who's Kyle? Don't worry, honey. Mind your own goddamn business. Because all I'm hearing is like, Kyle's got the juiciest thighs and just nipple mania is running wild with everyone you have on your show. So I'm like, I don't like how this is just the lore that's going around the, the, the streets. I don't like the, the, the scuttlebutt. I'm not just a piece of meat. Marcus, I have feelings too. <laughs> uh, Anyways, um, so what are we talking about here? We got bad blood, and uh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but 2003. Just before we like get to the show itself, 2003 WWE is a very interesting time. I think SmackDown is awesome. I think it's arguably one of the best years for SmackDown. Raw, on the other hand, which is relevant here because we kind of mentioned it before but this is the first ever raw specific pay-per-view the very the first ever uh just brand specific pay-per-view ever and so we just got raw here raw is for the first half of 03 is rough i think it gets a little better in the back half what are your thoughts like on this time period i guess like the tvs in general just like the overall product of, of wwe in general well this was when uh raw moved to spike tv this is when Raw was at its. Right. I thought Raw, Raw on Spike TV was was a whole different level. It kind of gave you an attitude era vibe. Uh, this was when Austin and Bischoff were running Raw together for like six months. But what I don't understand why do they say Austin and Bischoff present bad blood? Why not just Raw? That was a head scratcher. Well, because I mean they are the they do represent Raw. So like I think that in kayfabe it's supposed to be. Like, why else would it just be Raw, not SmackDown? Well, it's them presenting a paper. I guess they're forking up the capital for the overhead and the, the lighting and the whatever the hell, the travel. So, and I, I think because Vengeance is after this, which is SmackDown only. And I would, I forget exactly how it goes, but I'm sure Stephanie's like, well, if Raw's going to do that, well, then Stephanie McMahon's going to present Vengeance. Although I don't think it was billed that way, but she's. 
more of a baby face and Bischoff and this kind of egomaniac. So I don't know. I, I actually, uh, but where were we? Oh yes. The redneck triathlon, of course, which is that that's probably your favorite part of the show, right? You could say that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have got a bit, I got a rant about that. That's kind of funny to me. That just made me wonder like, what if, this or this when we get to it that i paid real attention to of how many times i've watched that pay-per-view over and over again like i don't know where you want to start mm -hmm. but I, I got something to say about the triathlon good thing it only happened once that's all i'm gonna say yes well um we could talk about the actual triathlon as we go along here but i don't know if you've ever like stopped and looked at the other uh options that were on this wheel that was spun because for anybody listening who is unfamiliar with this that's what redneck triathlon about. it is uh steve austin stone cold steve austin versus eric bischoff in a triathlon but the theme is redneck and there's gonna be three events and these events are chosen by a wheel like a roulette wheel and mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different competition possibilities on there and we'll get to like what was actually chosen but uh, do you happen to know any of the the options that were not chosen for this? As a matter of fact, that's what I meant to say. First off, I've always loved the wheel. Like every time they would go to Vegas for Raw, Raw would Bischoff would do called Raw Roulette. You love wheels. Yeah, I love wheels. Aww. They just they just go round and round, just like my balls. But, that's what you're a big fan. <coughs> yep. What's up? Just <laughs> like our truth. What's up? You spin them around. Like when he would do raw Aren't roulette, you what? you'd have, you see the matches you can like, you could spin on like a steel cage match, a TLC match, an I quit match, all mm. this. And like, we've had all that happen on raw. Well, for this particular event, you know, I'm not going to say the three that were chosen, but I remember I've paid good attention to that wheel that it did not land on. And I've always wondered what if it landed like, can you imagine Austin and Bischoff in a tractor pull? or chainsaw competition right. a game of horseshoes mm -hmm. cow tipping gnome stealing what kind of what do they like to do in <laughs> texas okay i was gonna ask you because you're you're louisiana and as far as i understand it anything down there is redneck so it'd be fair to say you're a relative redneck right no not my area we're we're cajuns a whole different i think that's just thing. a redneck with some spices eh, maybe i don't know about that i think that's redneck but redneck but cooked in hot sauce and tabasco and uh crawfish seasoning i think that's what you are yeah uh but that's you know to be determined i guess but with with weird voices <laughs> well let me tell you something about these gators you know what i'm saying but um Lawn, lawn gnome stealing. Would you consider that a redneck activity? I thought that was just a high school kid activity that wants ecstasy. <laughs> Have you ever stolen a lawn gnome? No, but it's never I've occurred to me. No, I've purchased one. See. That's quite the opposite of stealing. And I don't have a garden. Artists, I just but... purchased one because it was an LSU gnome. And I was like, I'm going to add this to my museum of LSU collectibles in my house. I'm going to fill it that's, with ecstasy. That's fair. That, that was going to be my next guess, actually. But yes, the ones like Chainsaw Competition, Monster Truck Rally. WCW already did that, though. 
Uh, hog a- tie contest. I saw a chili cook off, which that would have been interesting if they if would have landed on that. I mean, if we're just cooking stuff, we might as well do a roadkill bake off, huh? Yeah, huh? Squirrels, raccoons, throw it on a throw it in an oven, see what comes out. That that's what we could have had at Bad Blood two thousand three. But I even saw demolition derby. Yeah, too. how does that work? That doesn't seem. It seems like a lot of paperwork, a lot of waivers need to be signed to do that. I would oh, think. but last but not least, uh, they had they had bull riding as a choice. Bull riding, they did big they in Texas. The rocks, Mantar is not even there, so that would be a challenge to accomplish that. So, um, tobacco spitting, line dancing. I mean, the options were oh, plenty, but it was dance. none of these that were chosen. But. Can you imagine Bischoff and Austin? You're a big line dancer, right? Hell no. I hate line dancing. It's the dumbest shit in the world. And that's all you're going to get in today's society. All in today's society. When you go to weddings today, that's all women want to do is line dance to like the Cupid Shuffle or the Freeze or Boot Scoot and Boogie or Flex or Cha-Cha Slide. all, All this bullshit. I think you just made half of those up, but I digress. The, 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 the freeze? What the fuck's the freeze? Uh, it's a do song. it for me. I can't do that. I'm not gonna. I refuse to do it. I'm sitting down. <laughs> it, it's a song. Oh. Just stand up and do the freeze. God damn it! It's a song by Ronnie Millsap. It's not the song. Ain't even called the freeze. That's just what they call the dance. Oh, it's gonna do the freeze. Yeah, those those whores, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Whores I'm with and boots. Whores and boots. The song's actually called "If You Don't Want Me To" by Ronnie Millsap. They just call the the freeze. Do the freeze. Play the freeze. I see. I'm not gonna play the freeze. Uh, and WWE or Peacock is not going to play "Headstrong" by Trapped. God strike- damn it! I feel like that's half the appeal of these pay per views from 2003. Yeah, that was strike one of what we're going back and rewatching on Peacock. And I'm like, I wish I still had my DVD player. I would have just watched it on DVD where you could hear one of the, if not the greatest pay per view theme song ever chosen. Uh, that back in the 2000s, Headstrong by Trap got a football team ready to lose 66 to nothing. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's still a huge song. It It's hilarious that it was just a, a raw pay per view theme song, but. That could have been like a SummerSlam theme or something. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, this this era of wrestling had just awesome theme songs, which sounds kind of like like who cares about the theme song? But I feel like that just adds so much to the aesthetic. That plus the stage and like I lo- another thing I love about this era is how these pay per views they all felt like pay per views, whether it was the music or the stage or the lighting or whatever the hell. I mean, how much do you think that stuff contributes to, like, the quality of a pay-per-view? That makes you want to watch it even more. Like, just like, oh, I can't wait to see what the set looks like. Oh, we get three little blood drop Titan, uh, three little blood drops. That's, like, little Titantrons. You get a little oval Titantron, and then you get the little simple set in the bottom that used to be for Raw with some shiny stars in the mm-hmm. background. And these WWE theme songs they would choose, like especially them rock songs. That's how I got most of my rock music. If I wasn't listening to radio stations, I'm like, WWE picks good themes. I'm going to download that. I'm going to illegally download it on LimeWire, put it on my iPod nano and just jam the fuck out of it. 
yeah, to this day, man. I mean, all of the music that I all like a lot of the music that I know, I, it's either wrestling music or it's like adjacent. Like it's a band that I found out through wrestling, like Seether or Saliva or some shit like that. Two good bands. Good I've seen Seether once. Well, before LimeWire, what was it? Kazam? Or uh, you can illegally download there music. Was Napster. Yeah, I didn't use Napster. I used like it was I think it was Kazam. And then I upgraded to LimeWire when we upgraded our PC in that time. But I first heard Headstrong right. on a wrestling video game. Uh, I don't know if this rings a bell. Legends of Wrestling 2. Can't say. That sounds like one of those games you get as a Happy Meal toy. Yeah, it, it felt like that. I mean, it, it was available on PlayStation 2, Xbox, or GameCube, and you had every legendary basically it was all the wrestlers from the 70s and the 80s that you can just wrestle with on a video game interesting well maybe i'll if i if i peruse if i happen to stumble upon that game i'll check it out for you just for you just for you but headstrong was like on every video like any like sports game or like motorcycle game i feel like headstrong is just in every like it was everywhere at the time so um but somebody who's not headstrong or is not nose strong because he has a broken nose is Chris Nowinski in this opening match, teaming up with Rodney Mack. A couple both of these guys are accompanied by Theodore long. Let me holla at you player boys. Of course, Bubba and Devon. Now, hold on a player. So Chris Nowinski, Rod, so Rodney Mack is undefeated at this point, even though he's pretty much just beat up a bunch of tomato cans on raw. Mm-hmm. But his whole gimmick is that the man's keeping him down, Marcus. The man's keeping him down. It's because he's a black man. Theodore Long telling everybody. He's giving everybody the, the what does it. Chris Nowinski, uh, for anyone unfamiliar, he is you, you could not find a whiter looking fella. But apparently he's he's down with the cause because according to Teddy Long on Raw, I guess Chris Nowinski, he's from Harvard. And apparently he uh, he's a, a a heavy scholar in the Afro-American studies. So therefore, Chris Nowinski can come into this group and uh, they all have a common goal, I guess. Basically, so, basically a peacemaker to society because he went to an Ivy League school. Like telling Devon, why does why is it that Bubba mm-hmm. always tells you to get the tables? It's a good question. It's a good question. It's never Devon they, telling Bubba to get the tables. If someone asks me why does it why is it always Devon telling him to get the tables? Because he asks Devon. He never tells me. He never tells you. He never tells Spike. He never tells Big Dick Dudley or Dudley Dudley or whatever else is in that ECW family tree of Dudleys. He just tells Devon because Devon's dances the only one with there. Dudley. Dances with Dudley. Sign Chubby guy Dudley, Dudley dances with Dudley. Sign guy uh, Dudley. I mean, yeah, it's just it's an endless tree. Believe me, it's an endless tree. I guess the story here is Nowinski and Rodney Mack are trying to uh, get some uh, get some steam going here by getting a win over the Dudley boys. And they're doing this by, you know, getting into Devon's head, trying to get Devon to come on their side, I suppose. But uh, the match is what it is. It's an opening match. The match didn't really uh, not too much in itself to write home about. I mean, the, the Dudley boys, I feel like, are just like the king of the opening match. It seems like every... Every time they're on a pay-per-view, they're the, I guess the pyro and the energy and the crowd participation in their matches is so heavy. So I feel like it's just uh, they're a perfect team to throw out there to get the crowd hot. But um, 
and they do that. You know, they get the the waza headbutt, all that stuff. And then Bubba tells Devon to get the tables. Devon goes to do that, but Teddy Long gets on the apron. Is like, oh, I'm at a player. Devon, why why are you gonna let him do that? And then Mac, Rodney Mac from behind, as Devon and Teddy Long are you know distracting each other. Rodney Mac takes out Devon. And Chris Nowinski, who is wearing a metal mask to protect his face due to his broken nose, takes the mask off and smashes Bubba in the face with it and gets the one, two, three. So Nowinski and Rodney Mack beat the Dudley boys. And uh, I was surprised because like these guys are so low card, like so like in the grand scheme of things, it feels like they never did anything, but I guess they were trying something with these guys. I don't know. What'd you think about this? Uh, it was a shocking way it kicked off. I considered it as an upset. Um, I, I realized how yeah. glittery his face mask was that he would wear to protect his nose, by the way. Uh, and I mean, I'd laugh mm. at like, you know, I know there's really not a lot of smart people in Texas. Probably the, probably the smartest schools in that state oh, are probably on, like, Probably the smartest school in the city is Rice University, and they're just chanting Harvard sucks, which I think everyone thinks Harvard sucks. But imagine if tell them if imagine if Chris Nowinski and David Otunga were a tag team. It could be the Harvard Law School graduates or something. Now that's just too uh, too powerful of a team for any of us to uh, handle. So it's probably good that they came in different eras. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about the power. Yeah, all one power. How's the theme song go? I don't even remember. I just know Nowitzki had the Harvard fight song. David Otunga had a pretty cool theme. I, I don't even remember the lyrics too. He was just too busy flexing off his muscles well, more than talking intelligence like Nowitzki would. Yeah, that's pretty much all he had at the end of the day. But they should. That's that. That would have been the 2010, the 2000s versions of Pride and Powerful. Nowitzki got the Pride. Otunga's oh. the powerful one. That's kind of smart. Maybe it's never too late. I mean, they're both still around. They're both probably still in shape. Let's oh, let's get let's get a Triple H on the horn. Let's get this going. I know Tunga's like been filming movies lately. Nowinski, like actually like does like type of investigations and shit. Like I know he he did like Benoit's brain scan investigation after his passing. Mm-hmm. He he like examined no, yeah, his brain and all that. Yeah, he's big into concussions. I believe. Chris Nowinski ended up getting a concussion that would end his career. So definitely get, uh, passionate about that. I thought he got that playing football because that's all JR brag about is like play on. He was the captain of the Harvard football mm. team and won an Ivy League championship. Oh, slobber knocker. Yeah. It was uh, probably a culmination of concussions. He's probably uh, on his first dozen at this point. But um, well, let's let's. Let's move on to something that's very hard to get a concussion doing, although it felt like I was getting a concussion watching this. We got the first leg of the Redneck Triathlon against Steve Austin versus Eric Bischoff. The first contest, which I believe they uh, they spun the wheel on heat before the show. It's going to be a burping contest. Huh? Hmm, a burping contest. Well, remember, they swerved everybody. They swerved everybody. Remember the week before they spun the wheel and it landed on a contest I guess they didn't want to land on. We were supposed to get pie eating to start it all off. They wait till the second the second contest. They do the burping first. And 
I know I, I can't. Yeah, take... I mean, we still get pie eating, you know, or whatever you want to call that. But yeah, I I don't know who I don't know who I feel bad for the people watching Eric Bischoff's fake burp reactions, or do you feel bad for Terry Runnels being in between them two acting like fools? Wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that these burps weren't legitimate? I think Bischoff's first one was real. Like that last one was, had to have been fake. Austin's last one had to have been fake. That first one was probably real. That Austin no, did. <laughs> Just chugging a Miller Light is like. Well, pure- here's the thing. So, yeah. So the rules here. So each person gets three burps. They alternate back and forth. And whoever has the best burp wins. And uh, they are very obviously canned burps. They are just the most cartoonishly like they don't even sound like they're like they're coming from these people. They're they're trying to lip sync the burps, which you, they did kind of fine up until the last one. But well, who, yeah. who sticks their tongue out when they burp to begin with? Austin did. I never yeah, did. it's. It was funny because like Austin's drinking a beer as he's doing this and he'll take a big swig of Miller light and then he'll actually burp, but he'll be like, all right, now I'm ready to burp. Look, goddamn, you know, but, um, I mean, Eric, they go back and forth. Eric Bischoff does his like fucking karate pose before his burps. It's all very dumb. But uh, Steve Austin eventually wins. His last burp is just a, uh, who man, it's something. It's uh very long, very, very tongue heavy, a very tongue heavy burp. Maybe that's just the uh maybe that's the secret to a successful burp, who am I to say? But I don't know. Any other uh any other nuggets on this one? No nuggets on it, uh, but we can just call them testicles for this next one that were no longer a thing anymore. I like it. So wait, so we does Tess no longer have testicles? Even though he's not with Stacy anymore, or is he still maintain some of the testicles that Stacy got him? Stacy, I think Stacy just yanked him out of him. Stacy was the one that started the whole testicle chant and right. whatnot. And I just remember at this time they were trying to push Tess to be the star, but he just he couldn't cut it. And then he just they try to make he's a douchebag now to Stacy. Like, oh, I'm not successful because people all oh, they want to say chant testicles and they want to stare at your ass and look at your legs and they're they don't want to acknowledge me. Acknowledge me, yeah. It's uh, test test is a weird one, man. Because you look at the guy, I mean, he has he has everything that Vince wants in it. He's tall, he's ribbed, he's good looking, he's he's a pretty good talker, he's fine in the ring. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. I think he just wasn't able to get taken seriously. Like, so this whole testicles thing, like it's funny, and but they were trying to run with it as like a babyface gimmick at first, but then nobody really took to it. So now they're like trying to overcompensate. Like Tess is calling Stacy a whore on Raw. He's like, I'm gonna because this match, by the way, Tess versus Scott Steiner, and the winner gets Stacy Keebler's managerial services. And Tess on the Raw before this is like. I'm going to win this match, Stacy. And afterwards, I'm going to make you my whore. And then he pulls her in and just force kisses her. It's all, it does not age well. <laughs> but uh, Tess is, uh, he's a scumbag here. So I guess it's, they're doing what they want to accomplish. But 
uh, but he still comes out with testicles and big text on his Titantron. So it's kind of like, I don't know, man, but, and then you got Scott Steiner who was fighting for the world title a few weeks ago. And now he's a goddamn joke. And this match furthers that even though he wins, but I don't know, man, what'd you make of this whole match here? I mean, I, it was obvious he was going to win it, but I mean, he's the big, bad booty daddy. He needs a big, bad booty to be the daddy he, to her, to Stacy. Wait, so, so Stacy's ass is the daddy is what you're telling me? No, I said he calls himself the big, bad booty daddy, but he needs a big, bad booty to be mm. the daddy. To be her daddy. Oh, to, 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 for him to be the daddy. I see. I smell what you're cooking. Yeah. I smell it. Yeah. You smell what the mark is cooking. There you go. So like, that's what I'll, they say. That's what they uh, say. In Scott Steiner math, what was the percent chance of Tess winning and walking out with Stacey's managerial services, you think? God, that's a good question. I might need a notepad here. All right. Well, so you got one Stacy, uh, but two testicles. Now you multiply that, that's two still, but uh you got Scott Steiner's two peaks on his biceps, so you add that to it. Then you divide it by the amount of testicles that Tess no longer has, which is probably about a third since he lost Stacy. She probably took a lot of that market share. So overall, I would say probably like a two thirds and seven seven eighths chance of uh, walking out with Stacy. If I, I I think the math check it up checks out. You and can tell me a, I'm wrong though. And he's a graduate from James Madison University, so that's a mathematician right there. Holla if you hear him. Oh man, holler if you hear me. Um. But uh, yeah, so the match is what it is. Match actually isn't that bad. I was expecting a lot worse, um, even though it starts out with um, and this is like kind of a semi famous gif because Tess comes out. Uh, well, they both come out, but then Stacy comes out last. Tess goes out to like grab her or something. And then Scott Steiner leaps oh off my the God. apron to Botched. land onto Tess, or at least he. <laughs> A botch. I forgot he was trying to dive off the second rope and do a double axe handle, and he just lost himself. I'm glad you brought that Brother, up. Brother, he, I, I guess his, his foot got caught up in the apron. He just falls short. It's tremendous. It's probably the highlight of the entire show, to be honest. Um, what, what was funnier? Scott Steiner's what was funnier? Scott Steiner's botch or the chair ricocheting off the ring rope hitting Tess in the head? Oh, well, the, the 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 chair spot, I believe, was planned and it was actually was very well executed. So I'm always a sucker for a good botch. So that's all Scott Steiner really doing anything silly will always be a winner in my book, to be honest. But I haven't lot, I haven't seen a lot of wrestlers do the little chair freak idea that Tess did. But I thought Kurt Angle sold it better for Backlash 2002. Yeah, Kurt Angle's done it so many times in his career. He's the master of it. Um, but yeah, in this match, it's a lot of tests just being a dick towards Stacy in the beginning. He uses her as a meat shield to block himself from Scott Steiner. I think he even like tosses her at Scott at one point. Um, Tess in the ring will be beaten up on Steiner. Then every once in a while, he'll stop to blow a kiss to Stacy, just being a real dirt bag. At one point, he does a bunch of push-ups to mock Scott Steiner. But uh, Scott fights back, almost paralyzes Test with a brutal-looking belly-to-belly. And, um, but Test fights back somehow after that, undoes the corner pad. Stacy gets up on the apron to stop him. 
But Tess grabs her and is like, hey, I told you I was going to make you my whore. And then Steiner tries to intervene, but Tess gets out of the way and is able to hit a big boot for two. That was a pretty good false finish. I, I, I kind of bit on that one. I thought that might have been it. But um, it's at this point where Tess gets frustrated, goes outside, grabs a chair, shoves down Stacy on the floor as she tries to get, get it away from him. In the ring, Test swings the chair at Scott Steiner. Steiner ducks. Test swings it again. Steiner ducks again, but Test hits the top rope with the chair, bounces back, hits himself in the face, and Scott's able to hit a flatliner to get the win. So uh, Scott Steiner wins and wins Stacy Keebler, who I guess is an object. But um, overall, I was, was kind of <laughs> entertained by it. A lot. A lot more than I thought I would be, for sure. I was entertained looking at Stacy's fine ass the whole time and her cheering on Big Papa Pup and booing her ex and Test and goes home with, with Big Papa mm. Pump herself and did some managerial services, if you know what I mean. A lot of What do you style. think these services entail? Uh probably a few lap dances, missionary, uh starter okay. math. <laughs> Because right. she's a got legs of sorts, huh? You get, you get what I'm saying? Well, she's got legs, yeah. like she's Kid Rock legs. says. Funny how they let Kid Rock song Two on them. Peacock, but not Headstrong by Trap. That's another red flag. Well, I think the thing is, uh, Trapped is not in the WWE Hall of Fame, whereas Kid Rock is. So I think that's the line in the sand. Even on the DVD, they even cropped out legs by Kid Rock, but they don't crop it out on Peacock. Like, what the deuce? I, there, there's no logic to it. They they break out, like, old versions of themes. Like, on the pay-per-view before this on Peacock, they had RVD's old theme. They've had Kane's old theme recently. It's I think some of this stuff was uploaded a long time ago before a certain copyright, whatever the hell. I don't know. It's It doesn't make any sense. But um, speaking of not making any sense... We got uh, we're backstage and we're going to spin the wheel. Well, I guess we, we didn't we're not going to spin the wheel because this was sh- chosen on Raw uh, for the second leg of the Redneck Triathlon, which will be a pie eating contest. Pie eating, everybody, not cherry pie, not not apple pie, not pumpkin pie. It's just eating pussy. <laughs> yep. But right? you got to give am I right or am I credit. Wrong? You're yeah. right. You're 100% right. Give Bushoff credit. He actually picked some fine-ass pussy for him and Austin to choose from, but he's like all happy and brag about it, like saying, I should go first. And then Austin's like, well, you know, I'm going to let you go first because I'm that kind of guy, but I get to pick which flavor of pie you eat. Now, you're looking at these four girls really good. I, I'll, if I had to choose, I'd probably take the one in the crop top that was standing by the TV. Oh, okay. or the one in the see, I didn't really analyze it. Or the one in the black dress. Like they, they all four. Did you just bend over to get a picture of her? Is that in your spank bank? No, I just I just kind of had to vision. I had to write it in my notes of what she was wearing to tell you on on your show. Like I want the one in the in the black and white striped to... tank top by the TV box. If if right. I was in this, uh, right. if I was in this, boner up into your waistband. I get you. Hey, I've learned from the best. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah. 
I will not. But uh, yeah, you 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 hit it. I mean, Steve, there's or I guess Eric Bischoff did his research, quote unquote, and chose four ladies to be selected for how this do, how pie do eating do, contest. How do you wait? How do you how, how do you do research finding pussy on the street? Yeah, did he come out with a book and a pad like like just give them auditions? Like, hey, uh, we're gonna do this pie eating contest at a we're gonna call it pie eating contest, but nothing's really mm. gonna happen. I'm gonna get swerved in all this. We just need you to look good on TV and make horny guys jealous, wishing you they were eating. You were getting out by them, and no one's getting eaten out at all. Like, <laughs> no telling how that would have gone. But wait, oh no, someone's getting eaten out. <laughs> there is one person getting eaten out but, thoroughly but, on the show. But, Let me tell but, you something. Before any eaten out, there was another match. Before that. We had uh, Booker T versus Christian, and this is when Christian cut his hair, and he had the same haircut for twenty yes. years. Yes, this is his his debut uh, pay per view match with this new look because uh, Judgment Day, the previous pay per view, is when uh, they brought back the Intercontinental Championship. Christian won this match by very nefarious means by eliminating Booker T, even though Booker T eliminated him beforehand. Uh, we discussed this on the last episode, but he basically stole the Intercontinental title and stole it from Booker T. So now that we have a match here, Christian defending the title against Booker T. But yes, Christian, the, the night after Judgment Day, comes out, new haircut, which is essentially the haircut he has to this day, like you mentioned. New look, he had some flare jeans, and now he has, he's here with the tights. Again, the same kind of tights that he's still wearing to this day. He's abandoned the the singlet look, though he's abandoned the long hair look, which I would say it's like about goddamn time. So much better. <laughs> he looks so much more of like a credible looking dude here. And then going father, up against Booker T. And he was and, the father. He's the father of the year. You got it. Christian Cage, father of the year. Right. Well, Jim Ross brought up how Booker T uh, grew up in a single mother household. So Christian, uh, Again, brought touched on this in the last episode, but Christian, I think that's the root of his uh, his hatred towards Booker T is that uh, he's a fatherless boy. So Christian's here to kind of help him in that aspect. So planting of the seed but, for the father of all so. fathers gimmick. But here's my question: Why did they even get rid of the Intercontinental Championship in the first place? It, it was like. A, a shitty six months without a mid card title on Raw, and then they decide they unified it at No Mercy with Triple H and Kane's match. The you know the whole Katie Vick situation, great episode mm-hmm. by the way. And then six months later, they're like, "Oh, SmackDown's going to create, bring back the United States Championship and call it that." You know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a shovel. We're gonna go to the grave and just dig up the revives of the Intercontinental Championship. And put it on the father of the year. Yeah. No, it was very interesting because Raw had uh, the world title, the European title, the hardcore title, the intercontinental title. And for whatever reason, they just got and the women's all title, the secondary titles. So that it was just the world title. Mm-hmm. Well, they had the women's title still. Mm-hmm. It was just those two titles. And, and I guess the tag team titles, too. But yeah, it was a, a poor judgment. It made for some pretty awful TV in those six months. So I'm glad they brought it back. Not that this is like a cure all or anything, but it adds depth to these kind of type of shows and gives guys like Christian something to fight for. And this ultimately, I mean, he's as far as his WWE career in this like 
part of his career is probably his peak because he's, you know, no longer just a, a guy in the background and the Un Americans. He's not the, uh, the Marty Jannetty to edge. He's, he feels like his own guy and his new look, I think all contributes to that as well. But, uh, I mean this match though, I'll tell you this. I thought it was a really good match. It was a fun back and forth match. You have uh, Christian busting out the rock bottom, which is funny because he's classy. He's calling himself the new people's champion. He's calling his fans the peeps. So it's a little fun dig at the rock there. Quick question. Quick thing. Sorry to cut you off. He was calling He was calling himself. You said he was calling himself the people's champ or he was demanding to get called all this, but instead he was getting called a creepy little bastard. I think CLB is a little uh, farther down the road, but he's he's acting like a CLB. That's for sure. Um, but uh, Booker T, he uh, he has a scissors kick at this <laughs> some point in this match over the top rope from the outside, which I thought was really unique. Then hits a missile drop kick right after for a two count. Hits the spin a Rooney, and then Christian ski daddles. With the championship belt, he runs up the ramp with it. He wants no part of this, but the yep. ref grabs the mic and says, hey, if you get counted out, you're going to lose that title too, Buster. Was it? Which, was it why Nate? doesn't every ref just do this is was my question. Little, was it Lil Nate that was the ref or was it like Jack Doan or something? I thought it was Lil Nate. Oh, it was Charles Roberts. I think Jack Doan. I believe it was Jack Doan. Yeah. Okay. How funny how fast he was counting for that, but if both ring both men were outside the ring, it would take him twenty seconds to count the one. Oh, he's just he's he's tired of Christian shit, I think is the thing. So he, but he did it the right way. Can't really, he was uh, like he was like one, two, three. Instead he's like instead of one <laughs> two breathers. Two It's referee's two discretion, Marcus. Yeah. The the deals of a creepy little bastard, you could say. And then he gets himself disqualified. He hits him with the title. And Sorry. why can't the ref just be like, hey, you're not allowed to do that. You lose the title at this point. You know what I'm saying? So That's, it's like, I don't know. This is, like it's a DQ finish ultimately. The Christian retains. I I feel like nowadays we don't see this as often. Like DQ finishes on pay-per-views, and we'll touch more on that later as well. Uh, which I'm glad to see, but yeah, it was, I was enjoying the match. I thought the match was really fun, but the shitty horseshit finish, I thought really took this down a peg and, uh, but they're in Booker T's hometown of Houston. So I guess they got to screw him over. Huh? I think that's the rule. It's like every time he goes to Houston, they boo him. Like the last two or three pay-per-views. I remember him fighting at in Houston. He got booed. He was never supported in Houston. I don't get why now they want to support him. But like from 2003 to 2007, oh, they didn't give a shit if he showed up in Houston. They they always booed him. Well, maybe they just think he's actually from Harlem. Maybe they think that's his uh, his real hometowns. So maybe they just don't respect that. You know what I'm saying? He was cheered a lot in Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, maybe he's morally from Harlem, New York instead of Houston. That all checks out. Well... Speaking of uh, Harlem, I bet a lot of cunnilingus happens in Harlem. But speaking of which, we got a pie-eating contest on our hands here. Leg two of the Redneck Triathlon. Pie-eating contest. We got uh, Jerry the King Lawler in the ring, who I guess is the host of this little deal. I will note that there's no bed in the ring. There's no other apparatus. 
I mean, who else are you going to get to host this? You know what I'm saying? Imagine Jim Ross, like Jim Ross, ladies and gentlemen, you ready for us a pie eating contest? It's going to be a slobber knocker. <laughs> I mean, like, we at least had him on commentary, which was a treat in its own right. Oh, so. yes. Oh, my God. When we get to that, I got um, him and King had the two best, the two best, uh, what you call it? Damn. Um, what do they call that? When, when the, the punchline, they had the best, the two best punchlines of the whole mm. damn segment when we get to it. But yeah, well, Bischoff comes out first. Right. And Austin getting the big Texas ovation. And, you know, they Austin brings the girl, women up the screen and all the men are just like horny as hell. Cause then they greet like, that's, you think that's four hot looking women? Give me a hell yeah. What's been funnier too is that even the teen, even the little like 10 year old boys are like, hell yeah, in the crowd. Like there was some, there were some crazy fans <laughs> in that crowd. Did you ever catch the two guys in the front row that was dressed like Winnie the Pooh and Tigger? Did you not catch that? <laughs> I, I did not. But the, you say I didn't. You're saying that they were horned up, though. Oh, Nipple Mania was running wild in the Compact Center. That's even quick. Quick fact, too. That was the last time they did a pay per view in that arena before they upgraded to now the Toyota Center, which is the new home of the Houston Rockets. They they moved to downtown Houston. Oh. So that arena, that's that's the old, they call it, it was the Summit, then it was the Compact Center. That arena hosted the 1989 Royal Rumble. It hosted No Way Out of Texas in 1998. It hosted the episode of Raw where William Shatner cheap shouted Jerry the King Lawler. It hosted Bad Blood. A former basketball arena oh. that Akeem Olajuwon won two NBA titles for the Houston Rockets. Now it's a giant non-denominational church. It went from a basketball arena to a church that could seat 20,000 people to praise and worship your Lord and Savior. So there's 20,000 people, 20,000 people in a church pew sitting there with a Bible in their lap, humming and hemming and just being with the Lord. Meanwhile, 20 years earlier, Mae Young stuck an anchovy up her twat and shoved it in the air. You heard, you knew the rumor. The rumors were true. I was going to tell you that. (laughs) That, Oh my God. I I was going to tell you, did you knew the prank Austin did to Bischoff? Oh my God. Everyone knows it now. Oh oh my God. Yes. I remember reading about that in a fucking PWI magazine. And I'm like, Austin fucking pranked Bischoff with all this. <laughs> he had first off, he had no idea it was he was kept taking May Young out. It was the only one that knew about it was Jim Ross. No one, even King didn't know. So May Young come out, you know, mm. with Mula, and then we knew it was obviously May Young. Every time you hear the pianos, you know May Young's coming. Two punchlines, oh, yeah. two punchlines. Pat Patterson, and that would have been a whole different thing. Well. Two punchlines that made the whole thing even better. She's walking down the aisle, and Jim Ross is like, "Well, well, is it is it May Young or Mooley?" Goes, "Well, it's May Young, the entertainment from the Last Supper." <laughs> and then when she gets in the ring, and King's like, because, "Wait a minute," because she's said, old. And King, she gets in the ring, and then King's like, "Wait a minute, he, we said pie, not cheesecake." <laughs> What's wrong with cheesecake? <laughs> Cheesecake's awesome. Yeah, it's. Uh... So if, if, if you if love what, the cheesecake, huh? Especially in this context, right? Well, if according to King, if if women over the age of eighty 
tastes like cheesecake? Fuck yes! <laughs> you heard it here first. Hey, if I have any 80-plus gals <laughs> listening, hit up Marcus. I'll put his 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 Twitter and all his shit in the description. Hit him up. He's ready to conolingus at the drop of a dime. Just have some breadcrumbs. Maybe a little whipped cream ready because daddy's ready for dessert. And I'm putting towards him, not me. You stay away from me, you old bitch. Um, I don't know why that was so mean. But um, <laughs> Bischoff's like, freak, like, get away, like, freaking out. She, like, grabs, pinches his ass, and he's getting pissed. And he wants to forfeit. And then Austin's like, oh, you're a quitter. You're going to quit. And then he's like, all right. He, he forfeits, declare me. And then he's like, well, wait, wait, wait. You always said anyone can do the pretty ones. And then he just looks at her like, let's just get this over with. Make it as painless as possible. He just kisses her. Then Austin's like, well, he's like, let's see you top that. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Top that. You kissed her. This is a pie contest. And then she kicks him in the balls, takes off her heels. Probably the oldest thong I've ever seen in my life. May Young in a thong. In what's now a church. was the thong itself old? I don't know. She probably got that at the Victoria's Secret at the Galleria in Houston. No telling. Hits him with a Bronco Buster, and sure enough, the yeah. rumors were true. She stuffed her crotch with with a uh, fucking sardine or anchovy and made it smell like that. And then uh, he's just coughing up fish breath. Like, all right, Austin, you bastard, <laughs> your turn and. Austin, <laughs> Austin for, gives her a stunner and he forfeits and forced a third round of the redneck triathlon <laughs> yeah it's brilliant move by Steve Austin first of all and the fact that he actually gave her a stunner I was howling watching this it was um did your wife watch it with you not not this show in particular but I might make her review it and uh, see what her thoughts are, because I'm sure she'll love it. I'm sure she'll love it. Uh, but um, I, I, I got to say this, though. Mae Young. <clears throat> Look, I don't know how old she is at this point. She's got to be at least 80. Uh, May Young in a thong. Now, I say that, and you might be listening like, wow, that sounds awful. But got to give the devil her due for an 80-year-old ass. Like, <laughs> I mean... You could do a lot worse. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Smooth. It was uh look, we're not we're not, you know, it, was, it wasn't voluptuous per I mean it was, it was a little bit voluptuous, but I mean she's not at the back of the line as far as I'm concerned. She had to be in 79 or maybe 80 because she passed away in 2014 at 90 and she would be 99 right now. So she was probably either 79 or 80 at the time. Okay. What would you rather? Would you rather take a Bronco Buster from Mae Young with anchovies down her crotch or eat Deborah's cookies? Oh, so we're talking about her literal cookies, right? The dry ones that she made for Steve Austin that one time. Yeah. Or, McMahon's reaction eating them or Kurt Angle reaction eating them. Yeah, I, I don't know what makes them taste like shit. I mean, they look delicious, but taste like shit. I don't know. I never ate a bad cookie that I can look, remember. I, well, see here, I prefer the taste of 
fish over feces. So personally, I'll probably take fish if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good, just me. Good, an- good answer. That's just me. Uh, so you're not you're, you're not going to you're not you're, you're not tasting cheesecake though. You, you're uh, tasting fish. Well, it's like a cheese. It's like a fish flavored cheesecake, which is Ooh. actually making me start to gag a little bit just thinking about it. Um, they, they so I think make, we might as well move on. They probably make that in Seattle or something with their fish throwing they do over there. Fucking Daniel Bryan and his stupid bullshit up there. Um, <laughs> Kurt Cobain, Darby Allen too. You, but <laughs> well, we got uh, we got the World Tag Team Titles up on the line next. We got the champions. Yeah. Kane and Rob Van Dam taking on a La resistance, the team of Rene Dupree and Sylvain Grandier. 20 year old Rene Dupree, by the way. Probably Ooh, didn't even hit I, yeah, I think yet. both the La resistance guys are like, they're both like 20, 21, which is wild. Um, but this match here, so. This is kind of the source of maybe the best storyline, in my opinion, of 2003, which is Kane, his unmasking, his him spiraling afterwards and just becoming a monster again. We're all we're in like the seed planting portion of that arc, I guess, because on Raw, I believe it was a week or two weeks before this, Steve Austin, Kane, they were both in the middle of the ring and Stone Cold was like, what the hell are you doing? You is there a monster in there anymore? Remember the guy that beat me for the WWF Championship? What? Because Kane, he like he's been losing. He's become very humanized, and Kane or uh, Stone Cold's trying to motivate him into becoming the monster that he is. Because I guess that creates good TV, and Stone Cold's a GM of Raw, so it all it benefits him as well. I guess that's the kayfabe there, but um, so Stone Cold, he's like slaps Kane to try to motivate him, but Kane won't choke slam him. So he's kind of a, a sad. Kane's a sad boy at this time period. RVD at one point on Raw was getting beat down by both of the La Resistance guys. Both the Frenchmen were beating up Rob Van Dam in the middle of the ring, but Kane did not come out to save him because he's moping backstage. So we got emo Kane in the house. Even when he's coming out in this match here, he has the hair in his eyes. He's there's no fire to him, you know, pun intended, but uh, so we're we're kind of in the, this is the before picture and we're going to get the after picture later in the later in the year. But um I don't know. Any any thoughts on this match specifically, though, as far as the match itself? Well, Lara's a stance, man. Let's talk about these young studs here. I mean, 20-year-old Rene Dupree with the freaking biggest camel toe I've ever seen in those pants. Juiced up Rene Dupree and uh, Sylvain Grenier. But yeah, that's what it was. Sylvain and Rene. This was before they had Rob Conway and everything. This was when it was Viva La France and not Quebec. No hmm. shit. They would shit talk America. But remember, they said they didn't want to. It was sad they had to come win their tag team titles in Texas when the president of the United States at the time was from Texas and George W. Bush. And they they made a joke about him and they booed. And Jim Ross's inner tech love of Texas being an Oklahoma guy coming at him is like, I, I don't see no anchor tied to their ass. If they don't like this place, just go home <laughs> when they were coming out. And I was wondering was where where line. where was Fifi at the time? Remember when Renee would come out with Fifi? 
Yeah, I think Fifi, I don't think Fifi comes into the picture until Renee goes to SmackDown and is facing John Cena for the U.S. title, which is just a, a crazy sentence to say in with hindsight. A, but With a small little camel toe um, in his wrestling tights and his small boots he wears. Doing his... Okay, you, you've seemed very fixated. First of all, is it a camel toe if it's a male bulge? It's very small. I couldn't even tell. Like, I'm more distracted with that more than his dance that he would call the French tickler. His little hop he would do from the side right. with his hands out. He calls it the French tickler. Like, uh, per- pretty choosing cho- French name. tickler. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm like calling. I'm like, <laughs> look, it's the French tickler. And I'm like, I hear from adults, don't you say that. That's a bad word. It's obviously. I didn't realize that 13 right. years old French tickler right. was a freaking bad word until I did some special type of research. Go, what oh, does French I'm... tickler mean? I wasn't I wasn't aware that was a uh, innuendo. <laughs> French tickler. I, I, I thought it was like. At first, I thought it was like a dance, and then they were like, "No, a French tickler is like a sexual thing. It's like it's a condom with rib." I'm going to look it protrusions. up. Here. It's a condom with rib protrusions. But I've always thought the French tickler was like a, a special the hell type is of this. <laughs> it's a fucking weird condom. Oh, at first I thought it was like a, a type of fingering you do. But when I was like, oh, wait, it's a fucking condom. I mean, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me. Can you see my screen? Okay. I see it now. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with. This popped up on mine too. Like, like what the hell? It's a so fucking you put this condom. On, you put this on your penis. <laughs> it, how's that? How's that front end pleasurable? It looks what like is, a oh. California exotic French tickler. Oh, it looks like a, made in California. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you can buy it at Walmart. Unfortunately, wow. I'm stock. It's at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> a Walmart French tickler. I'll tell you for what. For ten ninety nine, you can get this. What I'd rather is. go buy. I'd rather go to Walmart to buy a French tickler than get a straight talk wireless account. <laughs> this is all I hear. Walmart commercials. Jim Gaffigan's straight talk wireless. I mean, it's the same effect, I think, because this it's a condom, but at the end of it, it's like it looks like a mace. Like there's spikes <laughs> and there's. Protrude like just it looks like a, this is a bunch of bumps. It looks like one of those. Looks like a dog toy at the end of a cup. This doesn't seem like it works out for anybody. So, uh, but now we're, so this is what La Resistance is. That there, there are two condoms with spikes at the end of them. That's what their team is, I guess, right? You could say that. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry, the tickler is on my screen. I got my mindset. Uh, we got Kane, Rob Van Dam versus La Resistance. The match is actually pretty quick. Because really, we're just kind of building towards the dissension of Rob Van Dam and, and Kane as a tag team, and just the dissension of Kane in general. Kane looked weak until in they that bring match. him back up again. I mean, they get some fun offense in. Usually, Kane would be the most dominant one, but it's like he you barely competed, and as soon as he got bumped off the ring, I figured that was it. There, like it was basically a handicap match ever since he got bumped off the apron. Yeah, nice bumped off the apron. I like it, but uh, <laughs> Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Goes for a uh, a plancha onto La Resistance, but they move and Rob Van Dam accidentally lands on Kane, 
And uh, you know, like the an- Frenchmen throw Rob Van Dam back in the ring, hit their little double flapjack, and get the win. And they win the tag team championships. So uh, La Resistance, new champions, Rob Van Dam, Kane are uh, not too happy with each other, I would guess. And uh, we're onwards and upwards from here. They held, if I'm correct, I think they held the titles for like a good few months before they lost them to, I think, the Dudleys. Rough period for uh, tag team wrestling here in WWE, but I don't know. Any other thoughts on the match itself or any, any of the uh, characters involved? Uh, I also consider this an upset. So we had like two upsetting tag team matches. Uh, Kane was like the weakest link. Like this was the different Kane. This wasn't the Kane I was used to. And then I, I it disgusted me because at first I couldn't stand La Resistance come and wave the France flag and shit talk in America and Renee Dupree's camel toes and French tickler talk and dancing and skipping around and a double spine buster that uh, just a che- a cheap finisher that does affect. I mean, they won the tag titles with a double spine buster, but you figured Kane would have came in and aided him. It's like Kane didn't even budge. Like soon as he did what any typical other wrestler would, you fall off the apron all you're knocked out for the rest of the match instead of coming in there and save the pin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just furthering what Steve Austin was saying on raw towards Kane, how Kane's become weak. He's a shell of his former self. And um, again, he's really just he needs something to find the monster within him again. And it's going to take an unmasking to do that. So uh, I believe this is his last pay-per-view with the mask, at least until he brings it back way farther down the line. But um, so Kane's the, the Kane story is really it's some good shit. Maybe not at this point, but eventually it's going to really take off. And that's the only thing I'm looking forward to as far as Raw goes for 2003. But. Um, and that's pretty well represented here in this next match. We got Goldberg versus Chris Jericho. Boy, howdy, does nobody want Goldberg here in 2003? Like, I forgot how bad this run was. Like, the match wasn't bad here, but there's Goldberg sucks chance, and the whole backstory is wrapped around how nobody wants Goldberg here, but that's like the reality of the situation. But Goldberg is supposed to be the good guy and Jericho is supposed to be. It's, it's kind of a mess, but I didn't really hate the story here, I guess, especially since it harkens back to their WCW days where, um, you know, Chris Jericho could never really get above the level he was at in WCW. And a lot of that reason is because of Goldberg and his unwillingness to do a, a proper feud or at least a proper match kind of deal. But I don't know what you make. What you make of this whole situation here? This match in particular was like one of the main reasons I wanted to go to this show. Uh, big confession: I was a Goldberg mark when he was in the WWE. He was one of my favorites in WCW, and I was probably the only person in the world that was happy that he was there. And just and then, yeah, Jericho, which everyone hated him, which I had a love hate relationship with him. I loved him as a, I like him more as a heel, mm-hmm. the way he would declare he's the best in the world and whatnot yeah, like, yeah. to me i felt like this was a dream match because we never got it in wcw and i wanted to be a part of that but instead i watched it at home but going back and watch it yeah you heard goldberg sucks chance and they're actually cheering for jericho i'm like whoa what mm. did i miss here 20 years ago but it was actually a decent match 
Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a bad match, especially because Goldberg, obviously, he's known for these, you know, really quick sprints of matches where it's just, you know, spear, jack, hammer, go home. But he's here with Jericho having a, I don't know, 15 minute match or so. I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't, you know, it's not something that I would absolutely recommend somebody go back and watch. But I mean, I thought it was fine. I like the, the storytelling here because they fight to the outside pretty much right away. Goldberg goes to spear Jericho through the uh, barricade, but Jericho gets out of the way and Goldberg goes careening through the barricade, just takes it out, which this is before WWE did this every other match. Cause nowadays every fucking match has somebody going through a barricade. It's just a little foam, little poof, little stupid pad that falls over limply. But here it was like, Oh, he's truly like shredding through this wall just cause he's just such a beast. And that hurts his shoulder. And then Jericho attacks the shoulder throughout the match. He had a missile drop kick right to the shoulder. He's doing submissions on the shoulder. So I love the storytelling of the match. I think it's solid. You know, Goldberg's head even gets busted open, I think, on the barricade, which is just par for the course as far as Bill goes. Um, Jericho hits a lion salt on Goldberg's head. Goes for a second lion salt, but Goldberg catches him. Hits him with a brutal-looking fireman's carry slam of some sort. Um, and then Goldberg, you know, he, see, he spears Jericho eventually in the ring, but his shoulder's so beat down that he can't capitalize. Um, and it was also kind of like a weaker spear than he traditionally does. And can't hit the jackhammer. Jericho capitalizes by hitting a low blow when the ref's distracted. Puts him in the walls. Goldberg flips out of it. And then we're back to, you know, Spear, Jackhammer, Goldberg wins, lol, kind of thing. But I thought the match was solid. Again, it's not like, you know, match of the year or anything, but it was a lot better than I expected. It wasn't a bad match. I I, I don't know if I was going to give that match of the night or not, but I really enjoyed it. But I, I, I didn't, I must have missed Goldberg catching that spear. It didn't really look like a spear to me, especially the way he used to deliver it. But I did see, he did win with a Jackhammer. Mm-hmm. I think it was the injured shoulder that prevented us to see a spear we usually see. But you, you go back and watch, you know, he was targeting the injured shoulder, but the, countering a walls of Jericho to a jackhammer. It's like, have we ever seen that before? No, yeah, and you're right. It was definitely, um, for WCW fans, definitely a dream match because Jericho spent weeks, if not months, trying to build to a match between him and Goldberg and WCW, but I don't think that ever happened. Um. So now that we finally get it, now Chris Jericho is a star and Goldberg's like not quite the star he was. So we're kind of at an even point here, but ultimately we're still building Goldberg to uh, try to bring him back to as prominent a role as he was in WCW. But I don't think they accomplished that in this run. It'll take uh, 10 plus years for that to happen, but uh, we'll get there eventually, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are back backstage to the wheel to decide the final event in the redneck triathlon, <clears throat> which by the way, before we go backstage, they pan over to like a, a, a hog pen that's somewhere in the arena, which I haven't, I hadn't noticed uh, prior to this. So they just ha- happened to have this hog pen in the arena, just in case the wheel got lucky enough to land on 
this event, which was what a hog hog pen fun or whatever the fuck it was called. Quick fact here. Yeah. I don't care what they say in the ring. When they say, oh, oh I can newsflash, you'll be like, oh, I can smell that all the way from over here. <laughs> I call bullshit on that because I attended Extreme Rules 2009. If you remember Vicky Guerrero, Santina Morella, hog pen match for the crown of Miss WrestleMania. They had a pig pen set in front of the set. I didn't smell not one set of pig shit or pig flop at all. So without any further doo-doo. No, Harry, one more time. One more time. I think your mic cut out. I said without any further doo-doo. Without further what? Without any further or doo-doo. So, um, so they spin the wheel again for the last event and it lands on sing off, you know, traditional redneck, uh, events because rednecks all over the country are just having sing offs with each other. So that's going to be the last event. So I guess they set up this hog pen for nothing. Somebody's pissed about that. Somebody had to fucking rent some hogs or whatever the hell. Uh, but Steve is upset because he can't sing. I mean, you've heard Steve Austin talk. You know he can't. You know he has no pipes. He's he's good at a lot of things, but singing is not one of them. Bischoff is, you know, probably at least better than Stone Cold. So, uh, man, we're one and one going into the final round, and Steve Austin is in peril. Not sure how he's going to fight back from that, but more on that later. I love how Terry Reynolds was, like, honest to him. He was asking her, you ever heard Stone Cold Steve Austin sing? Yeah. Can I sing? No. Like, she told him the truth. <laughs> I liked it when she told him the truth and said, you can't sing. <laughs> She's honest. She's honest. You gotta love Terry. But that brings us to a, uh, I guess, a dream match of sorts. We got Shawn Michaels taking on Ric Flair. We got the 80s versus the 90s here. And um, so backstory here. Ric Flair was having doubt because he's already linked up with Triple H and Evolution and all that. But Ric Flair was having doubts. There was a, you know, an episode of Raw where Stone Cold allowed Triple H to choose his opponent. It just had to be a former world champion. So Triple H chose Ric Flair to be that opponent, thinking that Ric Flair would just lay down for him because they're Evolution buddies and whatnot. But Ric Flair decided to actually compete and actually try to win the world title was unsuccessful, obviously, but this triggered something in him. He's like, hey, maybe I still got more in the tank. Shawn Michaels is kind of urging on Ric Flair. He's like, come on, you're the nature boy. You got this. Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels end up teaming together to take on, I think it was Triple H and somebody else who could, I think Jericho. I think it was Batista. And, um, was it Batista? Well, so, but Batista's injured at this point. Okay, so um, it him. Okay. Yeah, Batista's injured at this point. Yeah, so similar. I don't know if you've seen Ric Flair and Sting taking on the Horsemen back in the day, but Ric Flair virtually did the same thing, teaming with Shawn Michaels. As soon as Ric Flair gets tagged in, he gets in the ring, turns around, clocks Shawn Michaels. They beat him down. Ric Flair turns on him. He links back up with Triple H. Randy Orton comes back from injury, so evolution is almost complete here, but that's pretty much the source of this match other than just to have, you know, a, a marquee match, a big name value match. And um, again, like this, this is a match where 
Because Ric Flair matches, I mean, you know how they go. You can pretty much guess how this goes, at least to a certain point. There's chain wrestling, you know, they're really leaning into, you know, I was the best wrestler of the 80s. I was the best wrestler of the 90s. So they go tit for tat in the ring to try to get the better of one each other. It's just pure wrestling. Chops get involved, and then Ric Flair is able to hit a cheeky low blow or an eye gouge or whatever the hell, and then hits a a chop block and then attacks the leg. Figure four, all that happens. But um, the ending stretch of this was fun. I don't know. What do you think about this match itself? I mean, it was really good, but did you think we really needed that match 20 years ago? I mean, they put on an instant classic at WrestleMania to retire Flair, but just keep looking back like... Was yeah. it necessary to have it? Did we really need it to save the show? Did did people really want to see Ric Flair wrestle that night? I mean, of course you want to see Shawn Michaels all the time. But, I mean, it was a nice storyline, and Flair called him, you're nothing but a Ric Flair wannabe. And then Flair doing mm. being Flair. I love how Shawn Michaels wore the same pants he wore at the 1997 Royal Rumble when he won the WWF title in his hometown, the red pants with the, oh. with the hearts that got the Texas flag on it. That's the same pants he wore at rumble 97. Oh, I see. It's a Texas thing. It's a good call. Good little Easter egg there. Makes sense. He is a Texas boy. So that makes sense. And they are in Texas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who else would you have Shawn Michaels fair? What other match would you put in this? Or would you just not have a match? Would you just go right to the main event? I mean, I would have loved to have seen Randy Orton and Shawn Michaels at the time. Randy Orton kept getting involved, and he, he, I think, was he the legend killer at this time? Mm-hmm. Or was he still hurt? No. So we're still we're still very early in the raid, Randy Orton. So he so that he joined Evolution in the beginning of the year, got injured, and he just returned like two or three weeks before this. So he's good to go, I believe, to wrestle. Yeah, no, yeah, because he's had matches on Raw leading up to this. So he's good to go. He's not the legend killer yet. He's still very much just an unknown dude. Green. Like, he hasn't had any marquee matches, like, on his own right. He, yeah, he, he's still very good, but he, he we're not at his Intercontinental title reign yet. We're not at, at – he's not really a star in his own right yet. So I think Sean versus Orton – May have been a good match, but I don't think it had the uh, the star power that he was Sean versus Flair did at this point. He was still green at the time, but we ended up getting it like at the next Raw pay per view, Unforgiven. We get this match, but I mean, I think it probably would have been a banger. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this one was a good banger. Uh, Ric Flair took a spot with the table. Sean pulling a SummerSlam 2002, doing a splash off the top rope onto a table outside the ring. Randy Orton sold that yeah. sweet chin music like that. As soon as he jumped the barricade, he turned around like that. I don't know. I don't think it was as big as an impact as that chair shot Brock Lesnar took from Jeff Hardy the year prior. Oh, uh, that lives rent free in my head. No, no, no nothing's gonna be as nothing's gonna be as impactful as that. Unfortunately, uh-uh. um, but it was a good match though. But it pissed me off that Flair won. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really, um, yeah, I didn't see the table spot coming at all. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like you said, Sean, it's the splash onto Flair, onto the outside, gets up. Randy Orton, I guess, hops the barricade, gets in there, tries to intervene, but gets kicked in the face. Back in the ring, Sean hits Flair with the sweet chin music. 
But then Randy Orton hits him in the head with a chair and pulls Ric Flair on top of Sean, gets the win. And uh, so I guess we're just we're building evolution at this point. Batista's still injured at this point, but I believe he comes back semi soon. So we're still doing that. Randy Orton is still, like you said, still very green. But like in the matches that I saw him wrestling in the Raws leading up to this, it's crazy how good he was just this early on. And uh, fun fact, he hit his first RKO the week before this. So we're still very early on in his career, but it's already off to a pretty hot start. I mean, big, big spotlight here in a pay-per-view, even, even in this capacity. So can't complain about that. No. Hell, I, I wouldn't have mind that being the main event. M- maybe, I, maybe I overreacted there. Yeah, I mean, we got to... Well, I think the main event should have been uh, the last leg of the redneck triathlon, which is what we got up next. Mm-hmm. Again, we got a sing off on our hands. Eric Bischoff comes out, says he's going to sing his theme song. So his entrance music that he comes out to, he's going to sing it. So he gets the whatever the audio guy to play it. And Eric Bischoff just poorly lip syncs to the vocals Steve Austin hops up on the Titan Tron and says, hey, God damn, what? That's not you singing? Sing for realsies, or whatever he said. And then Bischoff is like, okay, I will. So he tries to actually sing it. It's not very good. Steve's like, ah, ah. And so he says, no, we're not doing this. I'm going to respin the wheel, which I don't see. I don't know what gave him the authority to respin the wheel. I think that really goes against everything about a redneck triathlon. But he respins the wheel. Lucky, lucky for him, it lands on the hog pen match or purposely pigs of fun or whatever the hell they called it. Per- hog was pen fun, pig pen fun or hog pen fun? I think it was pig pen fun. But purposely put it on pig pen fun. Yeah, he spins it like one notch and lands on that. And lucky, lucky for him, they have a hog pen set up. So the premise here: it's a hog pen match, just like Triple H versus uh, Henry O'Godwin. You win by throwing your opponent in the hog pen. And Steve, he storms the ring, <clears throat> stomps a mud hole, and Eric Bischoff throws him up the stage, throws him off, or he gives him a stunner in the ring, and then drags his carcass to the top of the stage, tosses Bischoff off the stage into the pig pen, which is just wet and muddy and just grotesque. So Bischoff is just swimming in pig shit. So Steve, I guess, wins the redneck triathlon, goes to the ring, has himself a beer bash. Uh, what'd you think of that? What'd you think of this whole event, like this whole triathlon and, and as a whole, I guess? I, you, the triathlon was entertaining, you could say. Uh, maybe the pie-eating contest was the most entertaining of all. But remember, after he purposely... Put it on hog uh, pig pen fun. There's a, another key, key Easter egg here. Remember when he said, "I'm coming down to that ring right now," and he addressed the fans. He said, "If Eric Bischoff tries to escape or not want to participate, grab his sorry ass and throw him back into the ring till I get there." And you know what? What's that word he said? Like d something like decon not decomcise or some shit like that. And then he's like, "Bischoff's like I did." deputize deputize he said y'all can deputize eric bischoff and he's like i refuse he goes i am undeep whatever the fuck that word is that's some jmu words right there Mm -hmm. so he's just like (laughs) trying to escape 
and everybody like so he goes into a corner he he jumps a barricade if you don't know this guy this guy's a houston celebrity there's a guy that throws bischoff back over the barricade if you remember that they had an old man that threw him over the railing Mm -hmm. uh he goes by if you ever heard his name he goes by mattress mac he's a famous never heard of him no his real name is jim mackinvale he owns a multi-million dollar furniture company called Gallery Furniture. He's from Houston, Texas. And he's a Houston celebrity is what you're telling me. Well, he's a big supporter of the Houston Astros. He bets millions and millions of dollars. That's what he's been known for. Plus his shit talking to other teams. But he's been he's world he's world known, not say world known. He's well known in Texas with his commercials and his charity work and all his money he donates and everything. Like he he lost he bet. When the, the year the Astros won the World Series, he betted eight million dollars on FanDuel for the Astros to win the World Series, and they won. And then the previous year, the year they lost, really, he bet ten million that the Astros were going to go back to the World Series, and he lost ten million dollars. But that's like chump change to him. He's a Houston celebrity. You could say a local celebrity at the time. No one really knew who he was. Like hell, even King didn't know who he was. Jim Ross did. It's like, that's Jim McInville, you idiot. This <laughs> from Gallery Furniture. And of course, Jim Ross knows. He's got a little Texas. Yeah, left. who doesn't know Jim Mack? Yeah, of course. What a dumbass. Mattress Mack. Mattress Mack, they call him. Uh, Known for selling mattresses. It sounds like a sounds like a drug laundering business to me, but I think that's a whole other podcast in itself. But but uh, that brings us, surprisingly enough, that was not the main event. The main event, we got Triple H defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Kevin Nash in a Hell in a Cell match. Special guest referee Mick Foley. Boy, howdy. What a um, what a cast of characters here. So we got, first of all, we should recap Judgment Day, the previous pay-per-view. Kevin Nash, Triple H had a match in which Kevin Nash won by DQ after Triple H hit him with a sledgehammer. He hit Earl Hebner with a sledgehammer. So Kevin Nash got cheated out of that match, and Hebner and all the other refs are like, I'm not going to referee this match. People get hit in the face with sledgehammers if we referee a Triple H match, so I'm not doing that. Also, Tim White's career got ended in the last Hell in a Cell match, so none of these refs won any part of this. So they have to. Steve Austin has to recruit a crazy bastard to referee this hell in a cell and who better, who better than Mick Foley, of course. So Mick Foley is here, of course, has the history of triple H and they play a lot into a lot of that. And the build up to this, how triple H ended Mick Foley's career in hell in a cell and the, just the rivalry they had. And so Mick Foley's here and he's going to try to be impartial, although that's not really <laughs> exactly how it pans out, but I guess it's kind of justified in a sense, but I thought this was um, look, Kevin Nash in 2003. It's he's well past his prime, to say it lightly. Like and, Goldberg. Um, yeah, I mean, Goldberg could at least move, though. I mean, in these early stages of this match, Kevin Nash is just wobbling around there. His knees are all fucked up, but they they bring enough plunder and blood and barbed wire and chairs and steps and sledgehammers and Mick Foley bleeding for some reason, even though he's the ref, everybody's bleeding buckets in this match. And honestly, like for what it was for hell in a cell, it felt brutal. It felt like hell. It felt like a cell. 
And uh, that's really all you can ask for. So I don't know. What do you think about this match? I forgot how brutal it was. I remember for years, I didn't really like it. Probably because I was just biased that they never... This is when they stopped, like, doing shit off the top of the cell. They never climbed to the top anymore. They just kept it inside. I mean, it was a brutal match. You know, chaos took over when they started using, like, not just steel chairs. They were using, like, hammers from a toolbox, barbed wire baseball bats, barbed wire two-by-fours, sledgehammers, uh, and then even Mick using it, basically trying to be a handicap match. You think with Mick getting involved, attacking Triple H, you think Nash would have had a chance, but Nash still couldn't even win the title with Mick even helping him attack Triple H. This is when he had that like long run and everyone was getting fed up with Triple H always winning the title or having multiple reigns or having these long reigns. People, mm-hmm. people were getting fed up with uh, clean shave sideburn Triple H wearing multicolored tights now. He was wearing blue that – he picked the wrong color. He wore blue that year. He should have wore red or stayed with black. He wore blue tights at a Raw pay-per-view. What an ass. What a heel, really, just wearing the other brand's colors. I mean, that's just the dastardly person that he is. But, yeah, we are – um we are definitely just in the in the heat of prime Triple H reign of terror here because, man, it is just miss after miss after miss. He, he gets awarded the title, has an OK match with RVD. Then we have the Katie Vick storyline, and that's the whole thing. Then he has a few pay-per-view matches with Scott Steiner, which both completely shit the bed. Goes to WrestleMania and faces Booker T and has a really boring match with a really awful finish. And now we're here with Kevin Nash in 2003 and we're just building to Goldberg and this era of Goldberg. I mean, it is just. Well, remember, he had a. It is. I mean, this this is honestly probably one of the better matches of this reign, though. Well, he also had a few with Shawn Michaels Mm -hmm. after the Elimination Chamber. They had uh, three stages of hell. At Armageddon, which I mm. wish the feud would have went more, but they waited what like a year before they we had another Sean Triple H feud. Wait, like two thousand four, I think they started feuding yeah. again. They had a Last Man Standing match, I remember, and they did the triple threat with Chris Benoit at WrestleMania and Backlash, and you thought it was the end. Where the following year at Bad Blood, they had a Hell in a Cell match. You thought it was the end, but no. When you let fans control and make the choices of a particular taboo tuesday we got sean and triple h one more time when we did not want it we wanted edge that year <laughs> yeah but good shit Such i mean they have shit. i mean they're obviously buddies so they have the chemistry so i get it and yeah i agree i mean all of the most of the triple h sean matches are really good especially their SummerSlam 2 match is just amazing the three stages of the hell match was pretty good the last man standing match was good but yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's just a bunch of nonsense. But this match here, this Hell in a Cell with Kevin Nash, I mean, you got barbed wire boards coming into play. Guys getting hit in the face with it. Kevin Nash sets it up in the corner, gives Triple H a snake eyes into it. Um, Triple H grabs a toolbox from underneath the ring, hits Nash in the face with a hammer, just a regular hammer, and then takes a screwdriver to his face. Oh, some John Moxley shit. Okay. Yeah. No, it's very uh, Moxley-esque here. Um, Triple H eventually gets fed up with Foley's shit. Because Foley, because Triple H at one point pulls out a sledgehammer, and I guess that's the last straw. 
for Foley, even though we've already seen barbed wire boards, barbed wire bats, you know, screwdrivers, hammers, but a sledgehammer, that's the last straw. So Foley grabs it from Triple H, and Triple H grabs a chair and hits Nash and then hits Foley with it. So everybody's bleeding. Um, Nash does almost get the win here at the ends, which is just an incredible false finish here, I thought. Um, what even happened? Yeah, Nash counters the pedigree, catapults Triple H into the barbed wire board that's set up in the corner, leads mm-hmm. right into a jackknife. A bloody Foley slides into the ring, makes the count one, two, kick out. Great moment there, but ultimately Triple H crawls over to his trusty sledgehammer, hits Nash in the face with it, hits him with the pedigree. One, two, three. Triple H's reign continues, but yeah, even though the reign is what it is, I thought this match is pretty good. What about you? It was very brutal. I enjoyed it. We're going back and rewatch it, but I don't. It was brutal, but I don't think it was as brutal as like Brock Lesnar Undertaker from No Mercy. That was probably the bloodiest Hell in a Cell match I ever seen. Yeah, Brock and Taker is my favorite for sure. This one, I could probably put this as one of the top five bloodiest Hell in a Cell matches I've seen. That, uh, Triple H and Kevin Nash with uh, Mick Foley. But remember, too. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah. Well, remember, too, like the whole referee situation. Remember, like they brought up, they were like, oh, I don't want a referee. Remember what happened with Tim White? He got brutally taken out in the Hell in a Cell and it cost him his career. And I don't know who do you, with the whole Tim White mm-hmm. shit, you get no five with the whole wanting to commit suicide every week. Do you blame him for wanting to do that because of the Hell in a Cell ending his career or the fact that he had to deal with Josh Matthews? <laughs> Probably a little column A, column B. I think both kind of <laughs> steer him towards that direction, but you know, it is what it is. Josh Matthews and his stupid blunt spiky hair. I get it. I get it. That was that was an in sync hair I used to have back in the day. A little blonde. Oh, we plate. all had that phase. No, I'm with you. I had the blonde hair too. 2003, man. It was prime, prime in sync boy time. I did that about 2000, 2001 ish. Then I did it again in 05. I used to do the slim shady. I did the Let's full blonde back, hair. Man. I did the full blonde hair. Uh, Cody Rhodes brought it back. Black eyebrows with bl- full blonde hair. Will the real slim shady please stand up? And that's Cody mm. Rhodes. Cody Rhodes all along was I the real said, slim that's, shady. That's kind of the style. Yeah. Well, goddamn pal, glad we finally figured that out. If nothing else, we, we really, we really made those that discovery, and that's really all anybody can ask for. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad blood got its name. The blood's in the name. Blood was in the main event. So overall, I don't know if you had the grade this show from A to F. What do you think you would throw at it? I would give it about a uh, probably. You know, I'd give it like a B. It's a decent raw pay per view, which mm. usually raw always dominated the brand extension pay per views. The solo ones, like raw, always outdid SmackDown a couple time or two. SmackDown probably had maybe like a couple of good ones, but like two thousand like four raw, all raw's pay per views were mainly good than SmackDowns. Raw, they always had good theme songs. I mean, hell, Headstrong by Trap was the perfect choice. I mean, can you imagine if we had Bad Blood like between? 2015 to now, I guarantee you they would have pulled some shit and put Bad Blood by Taylor Swift as the theme song. 
Ooh, I can get behind that. Don't no. let them hear you. Don't let them hear you say that because at least NXT will do that. I bet oh, you. No, Sean would never do that. Are you? Are, are, are you a Swifty? I wouldn't classify myself. I I tend to feel Swifty every now and then, but I wouldn't consider myself a full time Swifty. How about you? No, I I cannot stand her. I'm I'm just so sick of this. I just want to watch football. Damn it! I'm so sick of seeing her in the crowd. With freaking Patrick Mahomes' stupid wife and his dumbass brother, and I or <laughs> Travis, I want to see football. Um, I like to see him bitch at the referee or even see try and see Kelsey make a few plays. I'm just give us what we want. We don't want to see Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's love. I don't care. I just want to watch football. This is my getaway. If I'm not watching, get wrestling. these hens, get these women out of my sports. Am I right or am I wrong, Marcus? get her out just you can keep the cheerleaders just just get her out she don't know shit about football just she'd be the type where if you want if she had had to look up the kansas city Chiefs, she would google it and be like oh travis kelsey yeah i know the kansas city chiefs are or patrick (laughs) Mahomes. well i mean not everybody has such an elite uh, view of the world but speaking of a wheat elite and world the World Elite Podcast. First of all, Marcus, appreciate you uh, jumping on here once again, talking some wrestling. Where can everybody find you and your delicious voice talking about wrestling? Well, thank you. you know, it's been a long time. It's been, what, like, what, a year and a half since I came on and we talked Gangster's Paradise. Something 95. like that, yeah. It, it was in the summer of 2022. So it was, about a a, it was a year and a half. I, I have it saved in my uh, Spotify. Anything I'm a guest on, I save it. And yeah. I, that's, I'm glad I get a second one saved. I'm hoping to come back down the road. I mean, it depends what you got what you got coming up in 2004 or 5. I'd want to tag along on, but this was fun. You can find me on Twitter or X, whatever y'all call it. I still call it Twitter at MarcusElite337. The podcast on Twitter at World Elite Pod. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts for free on any audio platform, Spotify, Google Pods, Spreaker, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Just type in World Elite Podcasts. There you are. And thank you again for reuniting with you you tonight. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, you're like herpes. You're everywhere. Hey, what would would be your best redneck triathlon uh, event? Oh, oh, okay. That's a good one. Shit. Do I have to pick something off the wheel or do I have to come up with something? Well, I'll, here, I'll, re- I'll reread you the ones that were on the wheel. And if anyone sticks out to you. Oh, I got them right here. Uh, chili cook off. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I can do that. The chili cook off. You got. Yeah. Well, the only pie eating I would be able to do yeah, is an that- actual pie. Like go to a bakery and I just finish it before the, the my competitor does what a selfish lover you are <laughs> yep like i mean that's the only it's the only pie i've been eating lately hell i got a few boston cream pies up in that cabinet yeah i hear you no no pie eating just just cream pies <laughs> the words of marcus there you go <laughs> put that on your tombstone <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you to Marcus from the World Elite Podcast for joining me on this lovely, lovely show. Always a good time with Marcus down by the bayou. 
I don't even know if he's by there. Everywhere in Louisiana is just crocodiles and crawfish and people flashing their tits for beads. Uh, but go check them out. All that's in the description below at World Elite Pod on Twitter and all that shit. At Apron Bump on all the social medias as well. You know where to find me. You know where to follow me. You know where to touch me to make me smirk at you with a wry grin. So that's about all daddy has for you today. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Love you. Love you. Love you. Like you. Love you. Love you. Love you. And big old smooches all around. Mm. Mm. I'm hard. Yeah. And your heart is Talk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud of me and I guess Let's get started It's the hardest Talk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is